Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Hey guys, uh, before the episode starts, we wanted to talk to you guys for a second. Yeah, so basically it's come to our attention that sometimes our audio quality can be maybe painful at times. I think our laughter, while it should feel joyous to people, can be a little obnoxious in the ears if it's super loud um, or if one of us is too far away from the mic or basically we've kind of gotten the feedback that we could we could make that better. So we hear you. There's a couple episodes that are already recorded and in the can. The episode you're about to listen has already been recorded. Um, so we've gone back through with a little bit tighter ear. We've tried to adjust some of those levels, um, but know that hopefully in future episodes as we start to record, we've definitely played with those and hopefully it, it sounds a lot better in the episodes to come. We're still very bare bones recording in an office at our house on a MacBook, um, but I know that we have the abilities to make it sound where it's still great and you guys can just focus on the stories and enjoy it and you'd not get pulled away out of the story by the way that it sounds so yeah and if you guys have any feedback for us please we we love feedback we want to hear from you even if it's the smallest little thing um you can contact us via instagram just uh message us through the instagram app or you could email us at killer podcast at gmail.com and so yeah that's about it from us and we hope you enjoyed the episode here it goes cheers Hey guys! Welcome to Killer Cocktails. This is Jackie. This is Drea. And this week's episode is the... Pina Colada. Yeah, real tropical. Real tropical. It's getting sunshiny. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we went to the Dollar Tree and we got all this little tchotchkes from the tropics. We got like an inflatable flamingo and little tiki bar. Oh my God. (laughs) 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 Coconuts, I love it. Oh my Jesus. Okay, so... We made two versions of this. Yes. But the first one we're going to talk about. Let's is, talk about the traditional one first. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the first one that we made. It's the blended one. Yeah. Um, so you have your light rum, your dark rum, you have your coconut cream, you have your heavy whipping cream, and you got your ice and your pineapple juice. And you blend it all up. And you, and you blend it all up. You pour it in the coconut. Um, drink it all up. And I didn't like that one as much. I liked it. Yeah. I think it tastes like what I think a pina colada tastes like. Do you like this drink I, I normally? don't if i'm like living that island life uh-huh. i'm there's other things i'm like drinking. a mojito no 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 i would get like a gin buck no <laughs> i like uh mai tais i like uh what do you call them painkillers and mai tais if i'm getting a tropical drink yeah i'm getting a painkiller or a mai tai got it otherwise i'm gonna have a beer or i'm gonna have you know but that those to me are are vacation drinks traditional yeah um but if everyone like if i'm at a table with all my friends and like five of the six of us are getting pina coladas i'll Mm -hmm. get a pina colada and i'll enjoy it because yeah you know what's happening see like kyle i think that is his go-to summer drink and he was so upset that we were making these without him poor guy and uh because he's never been able to make them correctly at at the house and like i don't know we were just doing There's it wrong a lot of moving parts because uh our bartender friend matt and kimry found this online as well said that the best way to make a oh, that's right. pina colada a mm-hmm. so tip. you want a canned uh coconut cream it's called coco lopez and it's from like 1954 and you can tell because they use the same goddamn photo i feel like 
You don't mess with tradition because, you know, it's, 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 it's tradition. It's tradition. Um, and so, yeah, it's just real authentic. And yeah. it, I think it... I think, How did you open the can? Did it have a pull tab? Yeah, it had a, a pull popper? tab. Like, is it a, like a you have nowadays to, can? So, Kimri was like shaky, 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 shaky in the can. Yeah. Pulls tap did not come together. So, she ended up having to put it in the Vitamix and blend it all up. Oh. Um, but I think this has been the secret ingredient Keeping us missing. Yes, yes. So Kyle's going to be stoked that oh, you so cracked stoked. the code. Yeah. So you listeners at home, if you've been wondering how to make the perfect cocktail, you got to... how you do it. Yeah. If you like pina coladas. Yes. I think part of it is you don't like them. No. So... I'm not a big coconut fan. Oh, tell me. Coconut shrimp? I'm about that life. Yeah. But like candy was, coconut or I like... I was real anti-coconut for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and I only like within the last handful of years opened my eyes to the beauty that is... The flavor of coconut. But then like coconut water. I'm tastes, not into it. Tastes like ass. I feel like everyone's lying. Dirty water. Yeah. Get your dirty oh, water out so of here. Healthy. Oh, micronutrients. You know, oh. Drink some water. You're fine. <laughs> coconut water. <laughs> I like that. We're so passionate about this coconut water. <laughs> Get your coconut water out of this shit. All right. So I digress. Yeah. Enough. So the first cocktail, meh, I'm all, I'm on the fence. There's a pina colada day. When is it, Drea? It is, so today's Monday. Prepare yourselves. On G- July 10th, so in two days from now, it is Pina Colada Day. Oh, yeah. You can attempt to make it yourself. I think mm-hmm. we've given you the recipe recipe for success. And we're going to give you another recipe at the midway point. I don't we'll get to that. At the midway point. No, I know. I was going to say I don't recommend it, but we'll talk about it later. <gasps> I like that one better. Okay, okay. But if they want a Pina Colada and Pina Colada Day, I think they should go OG. Well, if you want the one that tastes better. We'll argue about it All later. right. Do you want some pina colada facts? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the pina colada is an incredibly well-known drink around the world. Popular. You've heard of it, yeah? Mm, yeah. Uh, but many people don't know where it was created. Where was it created? Um, do you want to take a guess as to its country of origin? <laughs> origin? Bahamas. The pina colada was created in Puerto Rico. Ooh. In the 1950s. Oh, that makes sense. What's interesting is that although everyone agrees that that's where it was invented... There's controversy over who invented the what? drink. What? No, get out like of town. Like all drinks, everyone <laughs> wants to claim claim credit. Uh, there's a luxury hotel in I San Juan. created the pina colada. In 1950. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. I was just a zygote. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there, there's a luxury hotel. Zygote's such a funny one to use. I like it. Uh, in, in San Juan called... Caribe Hilton. It's a Hilton in the Caribbean. Fun. Uh, now the hotel claims that their bartender, Ramon Monchito Morero, Fun. was asked by hotel management to create a signature drink to capture the flavors of the island. Supposedly, Morero spent three months experimenting with hundreds of combinations before perfecting his sweet, frothy concoction of rum, Cream of coconut and pineapple juice. How fun would that be? Just yeah. a little bit of this, a little bit. Oh, God, let's take that a little bit back. That's like a little mad scientist. I feel like that's what most bartenders do with their downtime. Yeah. Just I would. Fiddle. Yeah. I love it. I think you to come up. I feel like people at Starbucks do that. I think people at Jamba <gasps> Juice do that. I bet you that's where all the fun drinks come from. For sure. Like that unicorn cocktail from... I uh, mean, we won't talk about it right now, but like the guy who came up with Hot Cheetos... That's a great story. Google the guy who hot came up Cheetos with hot Cheetos. Hot Cheetos and Takis. Hot Cheetos and Takis. Okay. So uh, there's a fun... So that's one story. There's even a fun story that claims Hollywood legend Joan Crawford tried the drink at the hotel and reportedly claimed 
It was better than slapping Bette Davis in the face. Whoa. Is that fun? That is an old school joke. I don't know. Delightful. Uh, Now, in the same hotel was another barman, Spaniard Ricardo Garcia, who also claimed uh, that he created the cocktail. Garcia told Coastal Living Magazine in 2005 uh, that a strike by a coconut cutters union in 1954 prevented him from serving up the popular mixed drink of rum, cream of coconut, crushed ice, and its traditional sliced coconut. So he used to do it like in a coconut on a half, on a half shell. He states that he was forced to improvise and he poured the drink into a hollowed out pineapple instead. Oh. The pineapple flavored uh, proved popular. So Garcia started adding freshly pressed and strained pineapple juice to the rum and cream of coconut oh. combination to create the piña colada. I like it. Which means strained pineapple in Spanish. Oh. So his story kind of lends some credibility, you know? Yeah. Liking it. To Puerto Rican pirate, Roberto Cofresi. That's an old school pirate guy. Uh, he reportedly would boost the morale of his men by giving them a pick-me-up drink of white rum, pineapple juice. So it might be something that kind of floated around in uh-huh. the area and, and then bartenders tweaked. played mm-hmm. with it. And... However, the modern-day cocktail wouldn't have been possible until the creation of cream of coconut called Coco Lopez hey! in 1954. Boom. It was created by University of Puerto Rico agriculture professor who blended cream from the hearts of Caribbean coconuts with natural cane sugar. So it's like a thing you have to make. Yeah. Um... Upon its creation, Coco Lopez quickly became an integral part of the island's pina coladas. I think it gives it that rich, oh, yeah, sugary definitely. flavor. In 1978, the pina colada was named the national drink of Puerto Rico. I didn't know it had such Puerto Rican roots. Wow, this is awesome. So there's your pina colada facts. Woo! You guys are going to have so much to talk about during your cocktail hour with this uh, drink in our episode. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to jump right in. Okay. This one is going to be real bad, and this one is a famous one but i didn't know all the details okay i and yeah and it fit with the the cocktail all so right. i'm going to tell you about robert william picton aka willie robert is born in 1949 in british columbia he has two other siblings a brother named david and a sister named linda his parents um, had bought 40 acres of farmland before they were born, and they buy it for like $18,000. Yeah. You know, it's back in the, the day, but it's still cheap because it's kind of like a swamp land-ish. This is in BC? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they, they like, you know, fix it all up. It becomes a farmland, and they start... I don't think there'd be swamps up there. This is blowing my mind. So they fix it up, and it becomes a pig farm. So they're raising pigs. Oh, no. And that's their livelihood. It's great. They're farmers. What could go wrong? Okay, so... Robert's father is not really involved in raising the kids, and his mother is very eccentric and very tough, and she just makes the kids work on the farm constantly. But, you know, back in the day, you need farmhands, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah. So, Robert doesn't do very well in school, and he's moved into special education classes, and then he finally is just like, you know what, school's not for me, and he drops out in high school. And so, during this time and afterward, he doesn't really date that much, because everyone knows him for smelling awful. Because he lives on a pig farm. Yeah, and he just generally doesn't have the best hygiene. Okay. So he's not keeping up with it either. So Robert's dad dies in 1978, and then his mother dies in 1979. Oh, time of the prime. Mm-hmm. So everyone's... So mother, dad dies, mother dies. So now he's... And he's... Where in the scheme of kids? One of the older... No, now they're in their 20s. So they're in their so 20s. he's an adult. His yeah. Par- he's a young adult and his parents have died. Yeah. So the kids inherit the pig farm and like the 40 acres and all yeah. that jazz. And so from the time that they inherit it until 15 years later, it's 
estimated worth is $7.2 million. It's a lucrative pig farm. Yes. And they have a lot of acreage. So they start selling off portions to like schools and such. So they become millionaires. And David's still on the farm. He's like managing the farm. Robert, the guy we're talking about, he starts working the slaughterhouses for the pigs. And then Linda, their sister, has moved away and gotten married. Okay, so the brothers have all this money. So they decide to convert an old slaughterhouse on the property into a makeshift bar. And they call it the Piggy Palace. Uh huh. But they also register the business as a non-profit charity claiming to organize, coordinate, manage, and operate special events, functions, dances, shows, and expeditions on behalf of service organizations, sports organizations, and other worthy groups. Please. So, uh, okay. (laughs) Are you irritated? I'm irritated by their smarmy business practices. We've talked about this in passing, but we're going to start an official killer cocktails drinking game <laughs> so anytime jackie's irritated or i'm upset or blah blah i have blah. to say i'm irritated i'm annoyed or i hate it yes, <laughs> yes. those are my three catchphrases and apparently. i have to like meep and i don't know what else yeah. laugh hysterically oh my god <laughs> we'll get all the official rules um okay so in reality they're just throwing these ragers yeah they're they have sex workers there they have drugs there and they always roast a pig or two this so you like have in this, the 80s now? yeah so you're roasting this huge pig everyone's mowing down yeah and so these events attract almost 2,000 people each time but no money's really being made because this is a nonprofit yes yes. Even though they are selling booze and all this stuff. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Correct. Yes, yes. Yeah. Probably uh, charging admittance. Yeah. Know, all, yeah. All those things. Yeah. So members of this Hell's Angels would go there a bunch too. Uh, but on the flip side, they did do some regular parties and concerts and stuff. And like mayors would come, city council members, local business owners and civic civic leaders, ice hockey moms, high school and elementary ho- school ice moms, hockey moms. And like students are coming and they're like putting on concerts. So, like, it has this kind of, like, two-sided... It's, yeah, it's not like a community grange, but they're kind of portraying yeah. it that way. Yeah. So, they have this party business, um, and so they're not really, like, raising the pigs as much. They still have pigs, but they're not really... But the pigs aren't as much fun as throwing parties. Yeah, yeah. The, the raising pigs kind of become a hobby, and they sell the meat to, like, friends and family. So, it is around this time that tons of women in Vancouver's downtown east side area start going missing. These women range in age from 19... Tons of, like, what, what does tons mean? Mm, at the end of it, it's going to be, like, over 60. Okay. Okay. That's so, a lot. Yeah. So these women uh, range in age from 19 to 46, and they're often poor, they're homeless, they're addicted to drugs, and they're usually sex workers. And at this time, when sex workers would go missing, police didn't really look into it as often because yeah. either there's a reason they get targeted because yeah it's, it's a crime that won't get followed up as much yeah because in the considered poli- desir- undesirables by society yeah and like the police are like they're going to show up in a couple years in another the county or here or their bodies are going to show up they're they're going to show up either way so we're not going to use our resources to go find them mm-hmm. um but then they start getting worried because these missing women aren't showing back up again where they go Let's get into it. So some people start thinking it might be the Green River Killer because he's active in Seattle, Tacoma. So why not hop over the border and go up in British Columbia? he killed 
a gajillion. He about sixty-ish people, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So and the mo is similar. Mo is similar. So some well the the target is similar, yes. yeah, because they don't have bodies. They don't know what's going on. Yeah, so I misspoke. Sorry. Yeah. So some think it is a snuff film ring. So people are like grabbing women for these snuff films. Yeah. Okay. Uh, or a lethal merchant marine crew kidnapping the women and murdering them at sea. And so I was reading these stories where like these sailors would come in on these merchant boats and they lured like sex workers onto their boats with like promise of money and drugs. And then they would trap them on the boat and take them out to sea and they become their sex slave for a couple months and then they just dump them off the boat. And, That's like, horrible. women would have to start having a buddy system. So, like, one woman was only saved because she had a, a male come with her, stay on shore. She didn't come out within a couple hours. So, he went on to the boat, was like, I have pictures of her getting on your boat. You release her right now. And they had been holding her down below. Isn't that crazy? Uh. So crazy. Okay. They're finally like, let's get all this information out there. Because right now, they know the missing women are there, but the community doesn't. Yeah. I mean, kind of, but not really. So they have the missing cases featured on an episode of America's Most Wanted. I kind of love that sometimes that show solves some shit. Yeah, definitely. Um, So the show airs on July 31st, 1999, with a $100,000 reward for any information. 1999? Mm Mm-hmm. Not that long ago. Mm Mm-mm. I mean, it is when you do the math, but it doesn't feel that long ago. It feels like eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like 20-some-odd. Yeah. (laughs) Do, 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 do. Weird. So two local law enforcement agencies start a sex worker registry and they like come together and they start compiling all this information. So they're like, did you have a bad client? Was he abusive? Did he you try? You talked about this. Yeah. Like it should be, in my opinion, a thing and it will make it safer because you have a registry that is available for police and sex workers and it makes, it just makes it more safe for them for clients, yeah. for just everybody. And so this list is called the creep list. I like the name. <laughs> I would have thought they'd try to not die like that they just said it's, <laughs> the, like, creep it's list. the creep list. And it is circulated weekly between the sex workers and police. And so like this is this is a Canadian thing? This uh-huh, is a, yeah. Which is where's the US's creep list? We don't have one. We should have one. Yeah. There's some creeps down here. <laughs> I want a creep list. I want a creep list too. Okay. And so the, the local sex workers also start taking self-defense classes and they feel empowered to call the police station to like tell them about what's going on and to also just to check in with them because before they were just kind of in the wind. They didn't have a, a community. But now the police are like, hey, Joe Bob, Sally Sue, give me a ring every couple of months so I know that you're, that still, you're still around. Yeah, that you're still around. And so a lot of the girls also start working during the day and they have a buddy system going on. Um, so in 1997, a woman named, so we're backing up a little bit. Okay. So in 1997, a woman named Wendy Lynn Estetter tells police she has escaped from the pig farm. Mm-hmm. She says mm-hmm. she had gone there for drugs and booze, but Robert tried to handcuff her. So she stabbed him with a kitchen knife. He repeatedly stabbed her back until she gets free and she starts running for it. A motorist finds Wendy beside the highway at 1.45 a.m. and takes her to the nearest emergency room, while Robert also goes to the same hospital to seek treatment for his wounds. Damn. While there, the staff put together that the two patients are connected, Yeah. and they search Robert, and they find a small key that opens Wendy's handcuffs. 
You gotta be kidding me. Mm. Imagine working at that hospital and being a part of that discussion. Like, yes, we got all jazzed about stupid shit that happens at our work. Imagine that. <laughs> we found a dead animal today. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yes. Yes. I can't wait to talk to you about this. Just imagine. That's crazy. Because you're like, oh my God, why? They're both stabbed. They're both coming at at the same time. She's saying she was attacked by a dude. Yeah. Here's this dude. Oh my God, what's this in his pocket? Oh my God, this opens her hand. So Robert is charged with confining and stabbing Wendy. But the charges are later dropped. Why? Because the media and the police are just um, describing Wendy as a drug addicted. This is that doesn't matter. I know this is in quotes, drug addicted prostitute and not considered a credible witness. So this is before he has Mm -hmm. the key. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll I'll, like buy into the bullshit. He said, she said Mm -hmm. he has the key Mm -hmm. to the handcuffs. Mm hmm. But he could have the woman that was stabbed. He could have spun it because he was stabbed too. He could have yeah. spun it like we. Oh, I I hired we her were for the into night stabbing. We know I could have hired her for the night, and she stabbed me first, so I started stabbing her, and and, and then I we were doing something kinky. You know what I mean? You know, I, I could see with the I spinner words. It. I know. I drink everyone. <laughs> She's annoyed. No, like I'm not defending him. I like, I know you're not. Which is, it's in, it's insane. Okay. But again, this is before the creep list, so they're not quite on yeah. the part yet. So yeah, we're two years before the creep list. So he's let go. And up to 30 more women go missing after this 30. incident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you could see Jackie's eye rolls right now <laughs> and just like whole body roll. Just ugh. Ugh. Okay. So on February 5th of 2002, police get a search warrant for illegal firearms on Robert's property. Okay. Um, and the following day, Robert is charged with illegally storing a firearm, possession of a firearm while not being holder of a license, and possession of a loaded, restricted firearm without a license. Okay. He's then released and is kept under police surveillance. Okay. So I'm not quite sure if this was just separate from everything, if they're like, oh, we hear you, when you actually do have firearms and we want to yeah. search your property. Um, so while the police continue their search, they also find multiple personal items not belonging to not belonging to Robert on the property. So one of these items is a prescription inhaler belonging to one of the missing British Columbia women. So now are we caring about things? So police get a second warrant and search the property as part of the BC Missing Women's Investigation. Right, so now we're on to, yes. we're on to you, Now we Robert. have hard evidence, yeah. Right. As police continue to search the property, they find ID cards, clothes, teeth, and in the freezers where Robert keeps unsold pig meat, they find human feet, heads, and hands. During their police uh, search, they will never recover a, f- a full, complete body. Feet and hands? Mm-hmm. I don't know why that's worse than heads to me. Heads is obviously the worst of all of that. <laughs> but feet and hands? Yeah. Why, why those parts? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of find out. Do pigs not like to eat meat? Who said anything about pigs? I think these pigs are going to be eating some people. All right. So, <laughs> on Friday, February 22nd, 2000... you ate bacon from a pig that ate a person. Stop it. We'll just wait. Just, just wait. I know. On fr- Friday, February 22nd, 2002, Robert is arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder and the deaths of Serena Abitsway and Mona Wilson. 
Forensic experts, including 102 anthropologists, spend the next two years... 102 anthropologists. Two years sifting through 370,000 cubic yards of mud and pig manure looking for pieces of missing women. Jesus. Uh, and this... So this whole thing goes on until November 2003, and the cost of the investigation is estimated to have been $70 million. Okay, so that's where my head was at. So I'm thinking, imagine... The labor and the time and the money, all of the resources going into this pig farm mm-hmm. and discovering the horrendous things that have happened. Mm-hmm. And then go back in time and imagine how much resources does it take mm-hmm. to follow up and investigate from the beginning when you have some kind of yeah clues to shit. But they, to give... Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. And later, the police department will, like apologize for some stuff okay but again 2020 we weren't there you know you know because like you know you know you know (laughs) (laughs) you know you know um because around town he was not called simple but he was always very polite and very soft-spoken like you would have never he he wasn't flying off the handle and a real jerk that's gonna be Mm -hmm. murdering gals and feeding them to pigs yeah so on march 10th of 2004 it is revealed that this is not that long ago yeah it is revealed that human flesh may have been ground up and mixed with pork from the farm this pork was never distributed commercially but but was handed parties but was handed out to friends and visitors of the farm another claim is that he put the bodies into his wood chipper and fed the remains to pigs when you are at a slaughterhouse or when he's roasting the pigs at parties, that leftover, like the nervous system and the bones and all sure. that jazz that you're not eating, he would collect all that waste, essentially, and take it to a nearby plant. And they dispose of it. They kind of, I don't know, they... They put it into hot dogs. No, well, they were saying they somehow, like, sanitize it and mush it down and they put it into, like, beauty products like shampoos and lipsticks and stuff like that. So he would dump all that there. Oh, okay. And they're thinking that... People, people some, soap. I got some, it. some of the women's people soap. stuff might have gotten in there. But in the meantime, so he's dumping that at the plant. And as soon as he would do that, all those sex workers would be right there in downtown. So he would dump that and pick up women and take them back to the farm. Jeez. Yeah. Ugh. So he was like Kaizen about everything. He was real Kaizen. Whew. Okay. So Robert also had a girlfriend who lived on the farm for 18 months. She's reported to be a drug addict and is now infamous for having arranged fatal farm visits for several women who were staying at the Roosevelt Hotel in downtown. So, do you remember Wendy, the one who was attacked and stabbed on the key and stuff? Yeah, I remember Wendy. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to backtrack to her really fast. So, during that attack, they did, like, take him in for booking. Correct. And they took his clothes and his boots and stuff, and they kept that in evidence for seven years. And in 2004, it was tested for DNA, and it came back positive with the DNA from two other missing women. Okay. Okay. So, now we're going to jump into the trial. So, Robert's trial begins on January 30th of 2006 in New Westminster. He pleads not guilty to 27 charges of first-degree murder. Wow. Mm-hmm. Reporters are not allowed to disclose any of the material presented in the arguments because of the publication ban. So, they have, like, a really strict yeah. publication ban up there. During and it's like, this is not going to be OJ. Yes, exactly. Which is probably a good thing, because um, you're not tainting your jury, you're not tainting... Oh, OJ got all messed up because of the cameras. Yeah. So, during the process, one charge is dropped due to lack of evidence, and so the judge is like, okay, so we have these 26 charges now, let's group them, let's put six here and 20 here, and let's start 
with the first six and it's going to be lumped into one. And the judge explains that if they were to try them all together, it would be over like two years worth of evidence to get through. Mm -hmm. And that's not fair for jurors. And it's a higher chance for mistrial. So he's like, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to focus on these. Mm -hmm. And if this doesn't pan out, you have all these other things. I get get the mentality. Uh, During opening statements, the prosecutor tells the jury about the evidence found on Robert's property. And this is kind of graphic. It was kind of graphic before, but here we go. It's about to get real gross. Yes. So this evidence includes skulls cut in half with hands and feet stuffed inside. The remains of another victim were stuffed in a garbage bag in the bottom of a trash can, and her bloodstained clothing was found in Robert's trailer. Part of one victim's jawbone and teeth were found in the ground beside the slaughterhouse. A 22 caliber revolver with an attached dildo containing both his and a victim's DNA was in his laundry room. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. I'm going to tell you why there was a dildo. But you said it was attached to a gun? Uh-huh. So, in a videotape, Robert explains that he put the dildo on there as like a makeshift silencer. But who knows why there's DNA all over it? Okay. we People know why there's DNA all over it. <laughs> okay, so more evidence. So he's got a bunch of ammunition. He has night vision goggles. He has two pairs of, like, fox fur line handcuffs. He has a syringe with three milliliters of blue liquid inside. What's the blue liquid? We'll probably find out in a second. No, we will. And so, and then he has, like, sp- Spanish fly aphrodisiac. Like, he has all sorts of, yeah. In Robert's nightstand, there's this arsenal of, like, sex paraphernalia. And one of the items is this edible lotion called Wildfire Hot and Tasty Body Lotion. Hot pina colada flavored. Oh, my God. You're tight. You're fucking ties. And that's my tie. (laughs) I'm impressed. I'm impressed. This one, I don't usually like doing high, like... What is it? High trafficked stories, but this one. How do you do this? Okay. okay. You're tired. <laughs> um, so there's a videotape of Robert's friend Scott Chubb saying Robert had told him a good way to kill a female heroin addict was to inject her with windshield washer fluid. What? So that blue liquid from the syringe earlier. Mm-hmm. A second tape showed a man named Andrew Bellwood saying how Robert said that the best way to kill prostitutes was by handcuffing and strangling them, then bleeding and gutting them before feeding them to pigs. Who told the... Wait, hold on. These are two of his friends. It was like, oh yeah, I'm passing. Robert used to tell us all sorts of fun tips and tricks. Yeah. Photos of the contents of a garbage can found in Robert's... Your friend's saying weird shit to you? Your friend's probably weird. Yeah. 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 Uh, so photos of the contents of a garbage found in Robert's slaughterhouse, which held some remains of Mona Wilson. Um, and this part wasn't in evidence, but after Robert is arrested, many people start coming forward and talking to police about what was going on at the farm. Yeah. One of these witnesses that came forward was an, a woman named Lynn Ellingson. Lynn claims to have seen Robert skinning a woman hanging from meat hooks years earlier, but she did not come to the police with anything because of Wendy's attack and how that got dismissed. And she's mm-hmm. like, he's going to kill me. I'm not going to say anything. 
Yeah. Like, this is such a small town. Why? You know what I mean? So during the trial, tons of jury mishaps. I'm not going to go into okay. all of them. But there's now. a mess of... It's, it's ridiculous. Um, and so on December 9th of 2007, the jury finds Robert not guilty on six counts of first degree murder. Why? But he is guilty on six counts of second degree murder, which gives him a life sentence with a possibility of parole after 25 years. Okay. And this would be the same if he got the first degree murder charge okay. and because so many of them yeah and in, in canada that's that's the harshest punishment you can get okay so this puts his first parole at 2032 2032 not that long from now for killing so many people so many people. maiming so many people when they get close to that date do you think they'll be like all right now let's charge him for six more possibly or they can die didn't then just deny him for parole right yeah okay if he got paroled and I was the DA of that county, I'd be like, yeah, on it. No, Robert, go back. File, file, file. Yeah. I got files for days. <laughs> Come at me. So Vancouver Police Deputy uh, Chief Doug Lepard apologized for the department's failure to catch Robert Sr. Admitting mistakes were made. Police also- I don't fault him for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I appreciate that. Yes. Because now I feel like because you're owning it, mm-hmm. you'll change your behavior in the yes. future. And they started... It's when you're like, no, we did it. Then you know, you're like, you're never going to learn. Yeah. And like even before he was caught, they started doing the creep list. They started taking measures to help, it. you know. So police also revealed they believe that there are at least 16 other missing women that Robert is responsible for. And they think his numbers are Crazy in the high. 60s. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the story of Robert Picton. Dang. He, there's tons of songs about him. There's tons of books and movies. I don't think I knew him or all of that story. I've just heard of people getting, like, being fed to pigs. Yeah. I'm just familiar with that being a way of, from, I feel like there's, in one of the Hannibal movies. That's yeah. A, but it's a real thing. Like, pigs will just nom down on whatever. There's a guy who had a pig farm, and he had a heart attack, they think, and the pigs just started, because oh, he was in the pig pen, and they just started eating him. Yeah, but I mean, he was, just, he was just there, you know, hanging out, and they're like, ooh, dinner. Yeah. 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 Well, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. And then after the break, we'll tell you about this other cocktail we made. Hey, guys, we're back from our break. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're going to talk about that second pina colada recipe that we tried. So this is a liquor.com. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have all the other stuff. Yeah. So this one is a shaken cocktail instead of like your traditional blended which i don't really like blended drinks and i don't think you do either i don't love them but they have their place they do yeah um but this one's nice because it doesn't have that whipping cream in it which is nice for those lactose intolerant um but you still have the coco lopez which gives it that creamy um vibe but you and you only have the clear rum so you put all of that in some ice and a shaker lime juice yeah and lime juice yeah and you go shaky 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 you're doing like 20 30 seconds it it takes a while you get bored so i don't know have a friend so you can talk to them listen to our podcast while you're doing it um and then you just pour it out and it is super tasty i like that one better i it was serviceable it was fine it wasn't a bad drink uh but it's not pina colada yeah yeah it's not your traditional i get it so overall, I would recommend the shaken. I'd recommend going OG. But I think either way, if you are a fan of this cocktail, you're going to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Are you ready for... Murder time? Murder time. Murder time. That's my story. Okay. I'm going to tell you about Juan David Ortiz. Okay. So he is a member of the United States Border Patrol. Okay. And had been for about 10 years. Um, he was... I don't know what this 
position is, but he was an intelligence operator. Okay. So I think he had good control of like computers. He went to college down there. Um, so I, I think he's like researching. I don't think he's like patrolling the borders, uh, but he works for Border Patrol. He's a former U.S. Uh, Navy veteran. He served during either the Iraq conflict or the Afghanistan conflict, but he didn't see any uh, like action. He didn't see any action. He wasn't like on the lines or anything like that, but he, he served during that time. Okay. Um, he was married. And he had one child. Uh, he earned a bachelor's degree from the American Military University and a master's degree from St. Mary's University in Texas. Okay. So he's educated, had a brief history with the military. Now he's working for Border Patrol. So there is a sex worker named Melissa Ramirez who had like kind of a gaggle of friends. They all were, so they're like right across the border. So if you think of like the Rio Grande, if you think of that as like a river border between Mexico, you've got uh laredo texas on one side so that's in the u.s and then across the river you have nuevo laredo Mm -hmm. um and they're kind of like laredo isn't at least at the time isn't considered a super dangerous place like you'll they'll talk about places along the border and how they're kind of crime-ridden and dangerous but it's not super dangerous but they'll say that right across the river like you'll hear gunshots going on that like there's cartel crime and stuff going on in nuevo laredo so uh, on and you've got these like there's town and then there's all these like super long kind of deserty middle and nowhere roads that mm-hmm. have like probably not sagebrush but like brush that just kind of seems like you're in the middle of nowhere okay um that are like semi-populated not po- like I, I don't really understand the south well enough to really but I get this kind of picture painted for me that it's pretty desolate in areas. Um, but then you've got like main drags with like good lights and businesses and stuff like that. And it sounds like, at least at the time, uh, the the sex workers aren't really hiding what's going. Like they're on the main street. The police kind of know who they are, mm-hmm. um, and they'll just like pick up Johns and go to little hotels and stuff. So Melissa has a group of friends and she knows. We'll later learn that she knows and has a mild relationship with, they'll call, they call him David. So mm-hmm. by his middle name. Um, so he frequents sex work. Like he, he had, he would go down the street and he'd like pick her up. So she was the only one that he would like take back to his house. So it started as just, he would pay her for sex and they'd go back to his house. But this went on for a long time. And then she said like, they, it kind of became like, it, well, she wasn't his girlfriend. It wasn't anything like that. Yeah. Um, but then it like wasn't just about getting paid for sex. Like they would kind of hang out a little bit. Okay. Um, so the gals on the street definitely knew who like he was David. Yeah. And like and it wasn't just Melissa. Like he would be with a bunch of different women. Mm-hmm. At some point, Melissa uh, disappears. Oh, no. And her body is found on one of these kind of like desolate-ish roads. Okay. And it's all, it's like a handful of hours after she had died. Um, a rancher was driving and he saw, like, her body was uncovered, just kind of in the prone position, and she'd been shot once in the head. Oh, wow. So this rancher, and like... no no kind of cover-up or anything. Like, it's no just one had there. tried to cover, hide the body at all. Okay. Just kind of dumped on the side of the road. Yeah. So the rancher pulls over and he calls the police, and then he sees pretty soon after that a police cruiser come up. And he's like, dude, that was super fast. And the police cruiser just, like, 
doesn't stop. Does it like slow down and then keep but, going? Like, or? He's like waving and it just yeah. like keeps going. Huh. It's a complete coincidence. Oh. This is a police officer who's just out cruising and he's off to go see a, like, re- like a rental property. Oh. So he doesn't see the dude. He doesn't see the body, but he just drives. But what that does is it throws off the investigation. Really? Because the farmer guy saw the cop car and saw him not stop. So he tells them, like, you guys came by, but then you guys didn't. So it starts their investigation where they're like, maybe this is a police officer who was coming back to check on the scene, saw the guy, took off. So it takes them down a path. Yeah. Then. How long does that derail them? I don't know, but it derails it a little bit. Then you've got the Melissa's mother who's saying she, the last, and I think her mother, like, knew what her lifestyle was. Uh Um, And I think there's drugs involved, too. Uh, her mom is like, last I saw, she was with an older guy in a black truck. Okay. So it sends out all this misinformation about an older dude in a black truck. Yeah. Because he wasn't an older dude and he had a white truck Mm -hmm. when we're talking about David. So then all the girls on the street are like, okay, stay away from dudes in a black truck. Yeah. Like they're like spreading that information and that isn't good information to be spreading. So. They have their own little creep list going on. Yeah. They have their own little personal. and, And again, like there's this like gaggle of girls that all hang around this one like orange bench so then melissa's friend so she has a friend claudine so there's like three gals that all kind of hang out together so claudine is one of her friends um david comes by and picks her up and he's like gonna go off and pay her for her sex um and while they're alone she kind of gets weird vibes and she starts um asking him questions about melissa Mm-hmm. because she knows that he spends time with her. And yeah. she's like, hey, this just happened to Melissa. Like, what's going on? And she's like, this is all now through David's admissions later. Okay. He's saying she starts kind of hounding me on it. And he gets really weird about it. He pulls over on a deserted road. He orders her to get out of the car. He shoots her multiple <gasps> times in the head. Whoa. And leaves. She, like, given her injuries, like, the, the coroner saying, like, she should not have... Lit, like people don't live from those kind of injuries. The, the coroner says. The coroner says this. She drags herself up to the street, and she's there for a couple hours. Whoa. Someone does find her. Yeah. But then ultimately, she does succumb to oh, her injuries. No, but before that, she like gets some testimony out. On who no, do- I don't oh. think so. Oh. So, so he's, he's killed, killed Melissa. Melissa. Yeah. And all of this is kind of alleged. Like, like he's, he's going, going through, through trial, trial stuff now. Trial. So all of this is alleged. <laughs> but so. Allegedly killed Melissa, allegedly killed Claudine. So then there's a third friend. So then there's Erica Pena. Mm -hmm. So Erica is friends with them. So on September 15th, 2018, it's the Friday night, um, he goes and he picks up Erica. Then I I mix this up. Melissa wasn't the one that he would always go back to the house with. So Melissa's just a a sex worker that he would frequent. Uh Same with Claudine. And they have his friend Erica. Erica was the gal who he was like having a little bit more to do with than the other two. Okay. So he had known her for a long time. So she felt comfortable with him. She knows there's all this dangerous stuff going on. but she And she knows that David also knows the other two people who've just been right. killed. Yeah. Um, so she goes with David to his house. She mentions Melissa's name. And he... Loses it? He, he gets real different. Okay. And she's like, he gets cold and weird. Like, she goes, she immediately is just like, I'm going to die. Oh, my God. So she gets super, so she runs out the front door and throws up in his front yard. She's just like, 
Holy fuck. Visceral, yeah. Just, yeah. Wow. Could you imagine that tingle no. down your spine and all the hairs? That just, cra- oh, <sighs> she just feels the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. He hasn't said anything, but he's yeah. being, she's mentioning these girls and like wondering aloud or whatever. And like his reaction is just not yes. right. Yeah. So she runs out, she throws up and then she's like trying to play it cool. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, I'm not feeling well. I'm sick. Obviously I'm sick. I yeah. just threw up. Yeah. Like I got to go. And he's like, okay. Oh no. So they get in the car, yeah, and he's gonna drive her back because again, he like lives kind of out in suburbia, like he's kind of hey, down what? these remote. I roads. need to get my steps in for the night. I'll walk home. Yeah, you don't need to drive me. So she says she feels sick. Somehow she comes up. She's like, "I need cigarettes." Okay, that somehow she's sick and cigarettes is gonna make it better. Sure, I'm not a smoker, so I don't know how that works. Uh, so she's like, "Let's go get," and he's like, "Okay, let's get cigarettes." Ugh. So they get in the truck and they drive to a gas station, but like where this is. There are like seven, I think I'm going to get this number right, 70,000 semi-trucks go across the border every day, just like, whoa. So there's these huge thoroughfares, so you've got all these people coming through, customs and all that, and then you've got these long stretches that are kind of in the middle of nowhere with these gas stations. So the gas stations, when you think of like a rest stop Mm -hmm. and how they have the big like areas for truckers to like nap and stuff. Yeah. These gas stations have that, too. Okay. So there's this, like, big parking area behind the gas station. Mm-hmm. So he parks there, and then she's... Which is normal, or... Mm, maybe. Okay. But he's still creeping around. Yeah. So she mentions Melissa, and she's saying, like, I'm, like, getting brave and, like, confronting him about it. What? So she says something about it. Again? Yeah. Oh. Then she gets wigged out enough by whatever conversation's happening in the truck that she's like... Goes to Bolt. She goes to Bolt. He grabs <gasps> her shirt. Oh, She like wiggle wriggles out of yeah. the like shirt rips off. So oh, she's wow. just running through this gas station in her bra. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> there happens to be a police officer gassing up his cruiser. What? What are all these little coincidences? I know. Oh my gosh. So she goes up to him and she's like, but she tells him the yeah. story. And he's like, and then he knows that there's been all him. So he immediately thinks, I think I just, this woman was gonna be killed like these other yes. women he puts yeah. it all together yeah. super quick so uh david's gone yeah boop peels out he's yeah. away so they bring her back into the station he hooks her up with the detectives who are running these two cases from before and she's like i know these girls this is the guy his name is david she like normally she's got a really bad memory and like her family jokes that she can't like direct you to her own house yeah but like she goes here's how to get to his house this, so she's, like, giving all these details. So they know yeah. who he is. Yeah. Supposedly. Uh, if it's, But she knows who, like, this is what yeah. she's saying for who attacked her. So they go to his house, and he's not there. But in his house, he has, like, all sorts of crazy... He's got, like, uh, AR-15. He's got a shotgun. He's got, like, this whole arsenal of guns ready to go. Or- uh, I believe he legally owns all of it. Illegally? Legally. Oh, legally. Like, legally, okay. he owns it all. <clears throat> he has carry permits and stuff. So he's got all these guns ready to go in his house. And, like, it kind of becomes apparent to them, or they're projecting, that um, it looked like he was waiting for them to come. Oh, wow. So that he, like, they're like, we're dealing with someone who wants suicide by cop. Oh, That's the gosh. mentality that they think that they're dealing yeah. with. So they know who they're looking for. They've got this like all points bulletin out. They're like trying to get the word out to they're the ladies on the street. They're watching his house now. They're he like, can't go home. Look out, gals. You want to be looking out for David Ortiz. He's got a white truck. Uh-huh. This is what at the same time that all those warnings are going out, he picks up another <gasps> sex worker. No, same area. Um, I mean, same town. I think. Oh, it's so ballsy. Jesus. So 
he picks up, uh, let me get the right name. Um, he picks up Griselda Cantu, Chelly is what people on the street called her. Oh, I like that. Chelly. Um, so he takes her to like a semi secluded, but also like semi public kind of place. Um, and he shoots her and beats her. What? Just, just. So he's just kind of on this spree now. Oh, so, this, no. so Erica just got away from him. Yeah. He knows that the cops are after him. Yeah. So he's just kind of like, uh, goes and does it again. Then he picks up Janelle Armando, um, who she also confronts him. So while they're like, I think he, I, whatever he's doing, like they're hip to him, but not quite hip to, I'm not uh-huh. quite sure. But she also is like, Hey, what's the deal with Melissa? What's going on? Like it's yeah. super dangerous out here. And again, this is all from his perspective that yeah. he's later saying. Um, so he shoots Janelle. Oh my gosh. So he's now killed four women yeah. and one Erica has gone away. What's the time span on this? A couple months, a couple weeks? Days. Or the same day. Like this is super from, short span. From Melissa to now? Yeah. We're, this, wow. we're not talking a huge okay. amount of time elapsing. So. Uh, Did he have any priors to this? No. Okay. Uh, and I don't know what was going on with his wife. Like, his wife's not a part of it. Like, she's not living with him. Yeah. When all of this comes up. So, I don't know what that's about. So, uh, they find him. Like, they find his car. They track him to a gas station. Like, a different gas station. And he's in. And he doesn't have his gun with him. Like, it's in the car. So, he's unarmed in a bathroom. So, they're like, all right, everyone get ready. Like, we know he's going to be difficult to take down. He somehow slips away from them and evades the police. Oh, no. Okay. And he gets to this, like, random hotel. Mm-hmm. So they get all, like, crazy and nervous about how they're going to take him down. But then ultimately, there is no standoff. There are no gun. Like, he does kind of surrender and they get him. Okay. So it doesn't end in this whole, like, big bloodbath or anything. They bring him in. They start, like, questioning him. And essentially what he's saying is... Uh, all these women, like, they're sex workers. They're addicted to drugs. Is he trying to justify they're, it? Yes. Okay. He's saying, like, they're terrible. I'm trying to clean up Laredo. Oh. Laredo's super dirty. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All the women that he frequented. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, all. my God. So he's, like, on this weird high horse about, like, trying to clean up the streets. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so that's his, where like, what his defense is, yeah, I guess. Yeah, so justification. Um, sure, yeah. Sure. So he's pleading not guilty to the four murders. So it's, he's admitting to everything. He's yeah. He's having conversations with them about yeah. it. Yeah. Um. But maybe, then legally, maybe he's recanting, or maybe like, yeah, you can have all these admissions. But then when you're in front of the judge, you're saying I'm not guilty. Yeah. Like, I don't know how okay. that plays out. All right. But so what? The things just kind of started in like April of this year. Wow. So there's a lot of there's a lot more to come. Again, yeah. Like, that's why I'm saying because allegedly, allegedly like, it yeah. hasn't been found guilty of any of this but what the da was trying to do was they want to go for a capital murder charge instead of just for murder charge they want one capital murder charge okay. instead of four individual murder charges just to because and what they're for because i think you get harsher penalties i think you can get death penalty with that okay um, oh in texas Ooh, yeah boy so the parameters for a capital murder charge if i understand correctly are because he has multiple killings mm-hmm. They all had to be in the same scheme. So what the DA is saying is because he told us that he killed all these women because they were sex workers, because mm-hmm. they were addicted to drugs, that he's that he's on a mission, mm-hmm. that makes it all the same scheme. That yeah. makes it all the same, that it was a 
philosophy of his, um, and that's why it's a capital murder charge. Okay. Um, so I think he's trying to like backpedal yeah. on some of those things that he said. But isn't that wild? That is so wild. Like to have no prior convictions or like history of it and to be part of, I don't know, you're kind of in an authority kind of cop position, border, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Border patrol. Oh, and down there, like there's a whole like, so people in Mexico yeah. who are like um, coming over, they or like Mexican Mexican Americans living in those border towns. Like uh, there's a lot of people that work for border control for border patrol that are of Latin descent. Uh-huh. And there's this real like you're betraying your people by doing that. But then there's also this like the people who are in border patrol are super proud of it and they'll like leave their uniforms like draped over the seats of their car like so people no. no, even when they're off duty, that they're border patrol. Yeah, and like getting pulled over, being like, "I'm all, like you're a cop. I'm also kind of like." Yeah. There's a real mentality to it. Yeah. Would do you know if there was any like alcohol involved or drinking on his part, or did he just kind of? I don't snap one day. I don't know, but it sounds like he had had interactions with sex workers for a long time yeah it's definitely a part of and just for that small time frame it just sounds kind of not like a kind of like a spree yeah you know just kind of okay woo. Well, and who knows what the kickoff was with like yeah did something happen there mm-hmm. where then it triggers something out like yeah you just don't know That's and it's crazy. still playing out like maybe we'll learn more yeah no i'll be interesting to follow that case and see where it goes but it's crazy that he allegedly, well, you know, he's admitting all these facts. Because the only yeah. reason we know all these facts is because of him. Yes. Because he's the only one who's like he's in... telling you all the weird things yeah. they talked about. And, uh, like, spree killings are so... I think what is fascinating to so many people is, like, the Ted Bundys, the twisted mind, mm-hmm. the, like, plotting of murders, yeah. the strange things they do, the weird motives for it. And then, like, it's also, like, strange that you've got someone who just, like, snaps. And then it's like, are you... Is this your strange way of fixing your problem? Mm-hmm. Or is it yeah. just... Yeah. It's all interesting. It is so all interesting. interesting. Um, oh, wait. Jackie, what's your tie to your story? Yes, I forgot. So my tie is that Erica escaped and the Pina Colada song that we talked about earlier, the famous, if you like Pina, the oh. name of that song is technically Escape. Okay. <laughs> That's... I think that's a really good tie. I think that's very intricate looking at It was creative enough these. that I forgot it for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Kimmy, you were like, I can't remember why I picked this. And like, Kimmy's like, I like puzzles. Let me look at it. She got it immediately. Within two seconds, she's like, ah, oh, for the escape part. I love it. Your brain. Your brain, I love it. <laughs> um, all right. That kind of wrap up, wraps up our episode. Jackie, are you watching, listening, reading, touching, I'm, feeling? I'm <laughs> still on Mad Men. Awesome. I'm waiting for you to finish Harry Potter so that I can read <gasps> Harry Potter. I'm rereading Harry Potter. I'm almost done with the first book. And it's just, I'm reading it right before bed. And it's so lovely. I'm like, okay, Drea, oh, I can't wait. you get 10 minutes or you get to finish this chapter. Like, what oh, time did you go I to bed? Like yeah, did you get to bed at a reasonable hour? No. I well, you get 10 it. minutes tonight. Do you feel bad about your decisions? Let's go, go to bed earlier. earlier. Yeah, like tonight should have been like that. Oh, no. I was going to have a good hour of reading, but it's 9.30 and my bedtime's 10. So. Terrible. Um, but I'm also... 
So I love my favorite murder. Mm-hmm. They're kind of... We went and saw them live. They're we, great. Oh my God, yeah. We got to go to Portland. We got to see them live. And I'm all caught up on their episodes. And when I'm at work and I just need something in the background, I was like, you know what? I'll throw on their old episodes. So I'm like kind of going through their old going episodes and like listening That's again. Fun. And it's nice. It's like good, clean, fun. <laughs> I don't know about, about clean. Murder. Yeah. <laughs> um, I found... I haven't listened to it yet. So I don't know that I can recommend this. Yeah. But I just found that there's a new uh, OJ podcast. Oh, nice. We haven't brought OJ up in a while. Yeah. Oh, no. Earlier this episode had a little... Was I here for that? (laughs) Were you? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Let me know when those were, guys. Um, Sweet. Awesome. Well... So I'll let you know if those are good. Sweet. Well, we hope you guys make the piña colada for National Piña Colada Day. Mm -hmm. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our podcast.com for up-to-date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at michellefirmdesign.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Hyblis. And we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. To the window. To the wall. To the sweat. Drop down my balls. All these bitches growl. Growl. Ah, ski, 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 Hey guys. You can't do that oh. shit while I'm drinking. <laughs> I can't look over and see you. Uh, like, chinning, chinning it. Chinning it. Chinning it. Look how far that is. I got another puzzle for you. How? Okay. It's just because you're far away. Mine looked crazy long. And thick? Huh. Bruh, bruh, bruh. <laughs> okay. All right.